Hunter's Quest podcast. It's good to be with you guys today. I'm excited because today is our first ever YouTube video podcast. So um, it's it's been a lot of hard work getting this uh, going and uh, producing these video podcasts, but it's something I want to do for you guys. I think it's going to be cool to be able to see our guests and interact more and just have another platform to share the podcast on. So um, if you're listening to this, um, feel free to go over to YouTube and check out this podcast uh, on YouTube on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can find a link to that in the link tree in my Instagram bio or just search Hunter McWaters in YouTube and you should find the channel. And please subscribe to the channel. Stay up to date with everything that's going on, you know, future podcasts, bonus content, and also, you know, um, next year we'll be releasing our first uh, hunt films from Kodiak Island and from Wyoming, Lord willing. So I'm uh, excited for all that's uh, in the works, and um, and I appreciate you guys being on this journey with me. Hope you guys are getting some good stuff out of this content and, uh, and uh, enjoying. So anyway, today um, is a cool podcast, so as a lot of you guys know, um, I did draw a Wyoming antelope, antelope tag this year. Um, so me, my cousin, my dad, and my uncle are all heading out to Wyoming in October for an antelope hunt. I'm really excited about that hunt. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I know some guys listening out there uh, may have also drawn an antelope tag. Uh, maybe it's your first hunt. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe you're an experienced antelope hunter. Um, or, you know, maybe Western hunting is something you would like to get into. And if that's the case, um, antelope is a great place to start. It's a very approachable hunt. Um, it's a very fun hunt and something that me and uh, my guests talk about today a lot. So I want to encourage you guys, um, if you haven't done, uh, if you haven't done an antelope hunt or you're looking to start getting into Western hunting, consider that, um, I would go ahead and buy yourself a, uh, you know, bonus point or preference point, whatever it is, uh, this year, which, um, I believe those are available this month in July, um, for next year, um, or continue to build those points and, uh, get on an antelope hunt next year. Um, and you know, if you're going on one this year, this podcast has got a lot of great information, uh, for antelope hunters, whether you've done it before or it's your first time. Um, I'm actually going to talk to trail Kreitzer today from go hunt and trail is a really awesome guy. Um, he was really helpful to me personally, as I was looking for, uh, what units I was going to put in for, for this antelope hunt. Um, you know, he didn't know me, you know, I am a go hunt insider, um, which is something you guys should consider and check out, uh, you know, for planning your, your Western hunts and that kind of thing. Um, but I reached out to trail on Instagram actually, and ended up talking to him on the phone. He was super helpful about, you know, picking units and draw strategy and stuff like that. So trails a really cool guy, a really good guy. Um, fun to talk to, very knowledgeable about antelope hunting and all things Western hunting. Um, but, um, really experienced antelope hunter. And, uh, so we talk about antelope behavior, uh, e-scouting, you know, how to approach a unit when you first get in hunting pressure, how to get away from hunting pressure, land access issues and questions and all that stuff. So we really hit a wide variety of topics, um, that, that is really applicable to almost any Western hunting, not just antelope hunting. So, um, like I said, whether an experienced hunter, a new hunter, uh, or you're got an antelope hunt planned or, or not, I think, uh, no matter what, um, you guys will enjoy this episode and get some good information about it, uh, from it. I mean, and if you haven't seen, uh, trails got a really cool, uh, video that they just produced and put out on YouTube through go hunt, um, called front runner, which is a, a bow hunt that him and a, uh, you know, a newer hunter, uh, did that he took out and kind of showed her the ropes and, and they end up both killing nice antelope. So, um, 
Again, this, this episode is packed full of great information. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, if you feel so inclined, if you're listening, again, head over to YouTube. Watch the you can watch the interview and subscribe, and um, and be looking out for all the all the content we got cutting down the line. So um, excited about it! So let's just jump into this episode here, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, see you on the next one. So I'm here with my guest, Trail Kreitzer from Go Hunt. How you doing, man? Good, how are you? <laughs> Good. So we had a little technical difficulty. I had to hit record twice, but uh, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, appreciate you having me. It's <laughs> uh, it's good to put a good to put a face with a Instagram DM or a, na- uh, a name, right? Yeah, yeah. And we talked before, um, Trail helped me out as I was picking antelope units. Um, so that's something I want to talk about. But before we kind of get going, um, do you mind just giving folks a quick brief intro bio of yourself and what you're all about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my name's Trail uh, Kreitzer. Uh, I live here in, in Southern Utah. Uh, I work at GoHunt.com. Um, been here about four years, I believe at this point. So um, nice. primarily I came on with them as uh, kind of a research manager. And then I helped out in the gear shop is like, you know, picking gear that we carry in the gear shop. And, uh, I did that for what, three, three and a half years. And then just recently, probably like the last year or four months, I've moved more into the gear shop side of things. So I'm mm. primarily involved in, in buying and procuring uh, gear that we carry in the gear shop. And then, you know, obviously if you, if you kind of pay attention and follow along with go hunt, the content that we put out, I do a lot of, uh, a lot of content, um, yeah. with the YouTube stuff, um, do some writing for go hunt. Um, yeah, my, my background, I guess you could say is, um, you know, hunting, I, I grew up hunting in the West. <laughs> my, uh, my dad and mom, they moved from uh, Indiana. And uh, when they first moved out here, they moved to this little town in Southern Utah. And kind of one of the first friends that I was, I was telling you how, kind of how I got my name. I get asked that quite a bit if my name is actually Trail. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, my dad kind of one of the first friends that befriended him was this old cowboy named Boo Johnson. And he had a boy named Trail. So they liked the name. Oh, nice. Uh, trail so that's kind of how it stuck but yeah my dad and mom moved out here primarily because my dad just loved the mountains and he wanted to hunt the west nice. and so my upbringing with hunting was a major part of that hunting and fishing both um so i've been hunting for i mean as long as i can remember to be honest uh we lived in a, a very rural community i mean it, my closest neighbor was a mile <laughs> oh, nice. so i did lots of uh you know trapping fishing hunting um yeah, and then uh, kind of moved in when I kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a living. Um, I, I knew I kind of wanted to be outside and involved in the outdoors in some space. And so uh, I went to school to become a wildlife biologist. So finished my oh, degree cool. there. Um, while I was going to school, I worked uh, for the, the Fish Lake National Forest. I was doing like a lot of habitat restoration work for those guys. And mm-hmm. then uh, took a job with uh, Game and Fish in Utah. And I worked that for about seven years. And I was the um, the assistant uh, habitat manager here in Southern Utah. So cool. I did that for about seven years and, and it was a great job. I loved it. Um, I loved, you know, the, the satisfaction of like getting to see these landscape scale habitat projects completed and, you know, seeing the uh, kind of that benefit to habitat and what that did for the herd health and, and my hunting opportunities as well. But, um, you know, ultimately I always just loved hunting and I loved big game hunting and I wanted to do more of it. Yeah. And that's kind of what drew me into uh, the, the hunting industry. So, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I made the switch over to go hunt. I've been here for about four years and, you know, things are going, going great. Primarily, primarily a bow hunter, love to bow hunt, but really I'll, I'll hunt anything. <laughs> nice man. Yeah. So, um, if you guys are not familiar with go hunt, go hunt is a service that helps guys with draw odds and picking units and draw strategies and all that. It's a really cool community. Very helpful. I'm a member um, of that. And um, also they have a gear shop as trail was mentioning. And um, you know, it's, it's gear that's handpicked by probably trail himself. (laughs) So you can kind of rest assured that anything on there is probably at least decent stuff and, you know, some better than others, but um, it's nice to have that stuff that's kind of handpicked by hunters. So um, I, I think y'all are doing a great job with the gear shop. And as far as content goes, I just saw that um, film you guys put out uh, front runner. That was great, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good hunt. I mean, I, I we're going to talk more about antelope hunting, but I, yeah. I love antelope hunting. Um, they've become like one of my very favorite animals to hunt. I just they're such a cool animal. I don't know that there's like a you know more of an iconic Western big game animal than antelope. They're so unique, you know. Endemic. Exactly. It's just a cool animal. They're a fun hunt. Uh, you know, depending on where you're at, super game rich. I mean. Wyoming, for example, where that hunt, that front runner hunt was filmed, um, you know, tons of antelope. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's a fun hunt. Yeah, man. So, um, again, like I said, uh, that's something that, well, really I want to focus this episode on is antelope hunting because so I, so like I said, going back, um, you know, months ago, I was putting some stuff out on Instagram, asking people if anybody knew anything about, you know, antelope units and stuff like that. Cause this was my first trip out to Wyoming to antelope hunt. And I'm kind of leading a group with my dad, my cousin, and my uncle. And so uh, my cousin's kind of more of a casual hunter. He likes it, but, you know, and then my uncle, this is like a bucket list for him thing. And we're all really close. So, and it's something that they probably wouldn't have been able to pull off without kind of somebody taking the lead on it. So they're really excited and I'm excited to kind of be able to lead this trip. But anyway, someone said, hey, I know this guy trail at Go Hunt. He knows all about the stuff. He's really uh, helpful. So, I mean, um, you know, Trail didn't know me from Adam, but I, I think I messaged you on Instagram and uh, end up having a phone call. And he actually helped me come up with a strategy to pick pick units uh, and actually was drawn for my first choice unit out there. Only on one point entered the special draw. But uh, super stuck to go out there. So I uh, appreciate your help with that, man. That was, that was, that was big time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to be in unit – like um somewhere it's like east central ish kind of casey casper area part of the state um so i'm not going to give the actual uh number on air but um but anyway so looking forward to that and uh, that's what i want to jump in so kind of just starting from the beginning man um like why do you think antelope hunting is because i've heard before that it's a great kind of way to get started in the western hunting world and or you know like in your film you took out a newer hunter so why do you think antelope is good for that yeah and i've i've done that before i mean my my boy uh he just turned 16 but a couple of years ago like his first hunt i chose antelope for him you know as a, as a brand new hunter and then you know again jill jill's a relatively new hunter uh and as we sat down as a, a group to put together like film schedules for the year we all kind of concurred that we wanted to help a new hunter in the office getting started. And Jill showed some personal interest in, in hunting. Um, and I, I think it's a great hunt for a new hunter one, because it's not, uh, as physically demanding as maybe yeah. a lot of Western big game hunting is, um, you know, if you get involved in elk hunting, uh, it's super physically demanding, especially if you want to find success. I mean, yeah. archery elk hunting is very demanding and, and in a lot of ways it's some of the most physically, demanding stuff i've ever done you know packing out a bull elk breaking down a bull elk mm. packing that out on your back um you know five or six miles is is real effort i mean yeah. you'll feel you'll feel pain and so for one uh that's a, a real physically demanding hunt same for mule deer hunting in a lot of cases so in that regard i think antelope's a great hunt because it's not necessarily as physically demanding i mean it's mostly low rolling country um you know you don't have to be in you know peak physical condition although you know any it helps i mean it helps sure. being good shape for any western big game hunt but um so that's one reason i think is it's not necessarily so physically demanding um two like i said earlier it's it's game rich i mean uh you know if you're hunting wyoming most areas in wyoming if you're willing to do a little bit of hiking and put your binoculars to work and do some glassing i mean you're gonna see animals a lot of animals i yeah. mean i i hunted wyoming i want to say on a different unit, maybe five or six years ago. And I shot a buck the evening of the second day. And I think that was the 65th buck I'd looked at in two days. <laughs> wow. So, you know, plenty of, plenty of animals, which is great. I mean, if you're a new hunter and you want to get them engaged and keep them kind of, you know, active and, you know, excited about the hunt and yeah. like great up every morning, it's great that you're always seeing animals. Right. Sure. Uh, and then third, um, you know, the opportunities for stock, especially if you're bow hunting, which, you know, bow hunting antelope can be, can be frustrating, especially if you want to spot and stock antelope, Yeah. but, but it's a fun hunt in that you can literally hunt all day long. I mean, you can, 
you can stock from morning till dark. I mean, you can really put in a bunch of stocks. So in that ways, it's, it's really exciting. It's fun. It's fast paced. Um, and then, you know, the animal themselves, um, a really neat looking animal. Yeah. They're cool. They're very pretty. Uh, and then they taste great. I mean, the meat, the, the meat's awesome. Yeah. I mean, people tell you that people, people will say all the time, like, Oh, you can't eat antelope. It, it tastes disgusting. But I'm here to tell you that like my kids will eat antelope hands down, no questions asked. And it's awesome. It's all about how you take care of it. So, I mean, kind of for those, those reasons, I think it's, uh, it's an awesome hunt for a new hunter. Yeah. I mean, I hear the same thing about white-tailed deer. Like, oh, deer meat's gross. It's like, no, it's delicious if you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah I've, I've heard a lot of people say antelope is amazing, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, man. So that's that's really cool. So let's kind of, uh, I'd love to start just from the beginning. So I know, you know, probably several of my listeners may have drawn a Wyoming tag or another state tag. Um, and just, you know, for myself, like I'd love to learn too. So just starting now, you know, I'm finally, I know kind of the area I'm going um, and I'm starting to, you know, get on go hunt and start do some e-scouting. So what are kind of some of the types of terrain features or vegetation that you would kind of want to start keying in on as far as e-scouting for antelope? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think first and foremost, the thing that I look for in regards to antelope habitat is, is water. So water sources. Um, and then, you know, antelope are primarily open country animals. So uh, you get maybe into like some of the other like Southern states, like you get into Arizona, I mean, there are some areas where there's a little bit of, you know, pinion and juniper, and they'll kind of intermix in that country with some grassland, but primarily like they're an open country animal. When you get up to Wyoming, um, most of those bucks, or most of those antelope in general are just going to be out in those open roll, roll low, <laughs> low rolling sage, uh, you know, broom snake weeds and other kind of... It, they're kind of a browser, you know, they'll go along and just like nip uh, any kind of low growing vegetation. Mm. So mostly open country, but primarily water. Water is, is, uh, is the first and foremost thing that I look for in landscape when I'm scouting for an antelope hunt. So now, know, will example, that be like standing water or more like rivers or both or mostly standing water in that country. Right. So there's, there's a lot of that country that, uh, it intermixes with open grazing for, you know, cattle. So a lot of BLM state land, uh, will be leased out by, uh, cattle, cattlemen or grazers, and they'll run their cattle across those landscapes. And a lot of those ponds will just be like freestanding water that they maintain for livestock on open range. Um, you know, they'll use running water if there, if there is running water, it's just the type of terrain that they occur in. There typically isn't a lot of running water. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, first and foremost, I mean, for example, I've got a, I've got an Arizona antelope tag this, this year, uh, myself. So the first thing that I do is, uh, pull open the map and I really start picking apart the landscape, looking specifically for water. And, uh, once you find water sources, um, you know, I'll drop a pin on the map, but when I get to that unit to start scouting it or hunting it, those are the first places I go. I hit those water sources, mm. I see if there's water, and then I'm scanning, you know, as I'm driving in and out to those areas and I'm just looking, glassing for antelope. So, um, you know, low rolling cedar, um, sage, mostly sage, open grassland. And then, like I said, water is, is the big factor for antelope. Okay. Um, so you mentioned like BLM and state land. So, you know, as I've been doing my research and stuff, like, um, especially on the Wyoming game and fish site, like on the unit descriptions, it's, it's very like doom and gloom about like access stuff. And, but like when I pull up the map of my unit and I think it's, I think it says, you know, it has a breakdown of the percentage of public land per unit, which I think mine is like around somewhere around 50% public land. But I know that even on some high percentage public land units, access can be an issue in terms of crossing over private to get into it. But on my specific unit, I'm looking at tons of land that's labeled on the legend, uh, you know, BLM and state. Mm -hmm. And so is all of that fair game? And if so, why is everything telling me access is a problem? Because it looks mm -hmm. like a ton of land. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So any, any BLM or state land is, is huntable if you can access it. Um, and I think when you look at unit breakdowns, uh, like if you're looking on our platform or if you're looking on their hunt planner or any other states game and fish hunt planner site, typically what they'll give you is a public land percentage for that unit. Um, 
when you, when you think about that, you might see a unit and it's, let's say it's 60% public land and you think, I don't understand why, you know, access would be an issue. But then you have to kind of take that further step and think how much of that unit is actually antelope habitat, mm. you know, like how much of that is that low country where I'm going to actually find antelope. And when you dive into that, maybe there is only 15 or 20% of that that is state and BLM. So there's like that next step in research you've got to take into account as well as just looking at the simple public land percentage. I think, you know, if people are trying to plan a hunt purely based on public land percentage uh, as a whole, you're probably not seeing a full picture of what that unit actually is. You got to kind of take it the next step and kind of break that unit down and think of it as in terms of how much of that land is actually, you know, antelope habitat. I'm I'm actually able to find antelope on because, you know, you may have some of those units um, where you get up into some, you know, pine or aspen or, or, you know, timbered country where you're probably not going to find any antelope. So um, that's worth taking into consideration. Um, The other thing about uh, antelope hunting is I think, I think we, uh, we've, we've become accustomed to the fact that like, oh, it's an easy hunt, you know, that you're just going to drive down a road, you know, on public land, you're going to glass up a buck and, you know, make a short stock and shoot it. And it can certainly be that case. Uh, If you look at draws, for example, in Wyoming, uh, draws are almost totally tied to the amount of public land that's accessible in a unit. Mm. It's not necessarily, although there is a little bit of trophy potential kind of mixed in that, but, but it's mostly public land access and percentage. Um, in units like you drew and other units in Wyoming, it's not that there is not public land. There is public land. Uh, you just may have to end up finding, you know, the sliver that touches a County road or, gotcha or a highway or, you know, some, you know, maybe, maybe you have to make some phone calls to, uh, you know, be able to access a road that then touches some public land, but then be willing to hike into that public land. Right. Um, you know, for example, that hunt that I took my kid on, um, at the time we drew that as a second choice, that unit has tons of BLM, has, has tons of public land to hunt, um, but there was only two spots in that entire unit that I could think of when I looked at the maps that actually touched public uh, access, so a county road or a highway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once once we parked there and we walked out into that BLM, and we I killed my buck probably two miles, and I think his was maybe two and a half miles, but after we got out into that, it was just, you know, a sea of BLM and just antelope all over the place. So. Wow. So yeah. basically, if you're not lazy and willing to walk a couple miles, that opens up tons of doors. That's that's it. Yeah, and and you've got to yeah. I mean, you've you've got to do the extra step. You got to do the research. You know, I mean, it's yeah. is is hunting across the West is increasingly becoming more popular, and we're certainly seeing that when you look at the number of people that are applying in the West for all species, not just antelope. Um, you've just got to be willing to dig in and do like that extra bit of research. And then like you're, like you're saying the legwork. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. I, and you know, to be honest, I like, you know, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape and I like hiking. So I kind of like, I don't balk at having to walk a couple miles. Like I actually would almost prefer that than just like jumping out of the truck and shooting something, you know? (laughs) So I like that kind of adventure and exploration aspect of it. So couple days ago i got in the mail one of these postcards like hey we found out you drew your unit like call us would you recommend calling these guys or looking into that kind of stuff um yeah i mean i'm in favor of exploring any and all options you know (laughs) take a look yeah give them a give them a bell and see what they're they're offering you know Um, it, it may be worth it to you it may not that's one thing about you know, I talked to so many people, um, you know, yourself included, a lot of Go Hunt Inside members. You know, I have a lot of people that will DM me and ask me questions about, uh, um, you know, about hunting across the West. And that's like one thing that I, it's given me the ability to talk to a whole bunch of different people and find out that like everybody has different objectives, mm-hmm. you know, for, for what their hunt is. Um, you know, some people only want to hunt public land and they want to do it themselves. They want to do a DIY hunt. Um you know, and, and there's definitely space for people to do that. There's some people that want, you know, a guided hunt and they want to go out and have a guide kind of show them the rope so that they learn and figure it out. And then they can, you know, do it them, themselves in the future. And then, you know, there's some people that, uh, you know, trophy matters. Like right. they want a, they want a Boone and Crockett 80 inch antelope buck, you know, and if that's <laughs> the case, um, 
there's a lot of those units that are relatively easy to draw where some of that land may be inaccessible to the public where, you know, if you're able to uh, go on a guided hunt or you're willing to pay a pretty decent trespass fee, you may open yourself up some opportunity for a trophy buck. Yeah. So I would say it's the first question that I always ask anybody is like, what is your objective for your hunt? Yeah. Well, based, based on your objectives, then we can kind of tailor it from there. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely want to do it DIY. I'm not opposed to getting on private, um, would rather not if I didn't have to, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, what's, you mentioned trespass fees. What's like a ballpark trespass fee kind of what what do people usually charge for that kind of thing? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even dare say at this point, I've never done one. So I, I say, um, that's okay. I could say, and then, and then this year, this year's different. I mean, it's, you know, post post COVID, I think a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, maybe there would be less interest and people kind of pull, pull back from applications, but we're not seeing that we're seeing more people going yeah. out and applying and hunting, um, you know, where Canada's borders were shut and there's maybe some of those people that would have spent money to gone to, to Canada and hunt deer and, you know, moose and sheep and anything else. Um, you know, they're not spending their dollars there. So maybe now they're buying landowner permits or they're buying, you know, guided antelope deer and elk hunts. Um, yeah. I think there's more of those types of folks that are out looking for hunts. So I, I don't know. It, it's tough to say. I couldn't yeah. answer honestly. That's all right. I'll just give them some, I'll give a call and see what's going on. But, yeah. um, yeah. And luckily for me, man, like I'm not a trophy hunter, at least not at this point in my life. I mean, the tags we have are any antelope. Yeah. I'd want to get a good representation, you know, kill a mature animal if possible, you know, but mainly I want to get my uncle to fill his tags. It's like a bucket list thing and maybe get some cool, you know, I'm going to try to film it. So I get some cool footage and, and fill some tags and I'd, I'd be happy with, you know, just a nice representation. So not too worried about numbers, but, um, yeah. And then, and then just the landscape, you know, I, I like antelope hunting. I, I like the, the, the landscape that they exist in, you know, that big yeah. open country, you're going to have phenomenal sunrises, phenomenal sunsets. Um, if you hunt with a, you know, it sounds like it's a family hunt. I mean, yeah. it's a cool camping experience, you know, because you don't have to necessarily go out and spike out and backpack hunt like you will for maybe elk or deer. Yeah. In that regard, it's really great in the fact that you can have a really solid, fun base camp. You know, you can, you know, do good meals at night and just kind of hang out and, and have that entire experience. So, I mean, as a whole, it's it's just a fun hunt. It's a fun hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, man. We um, we might actually just rent like an Airbnb and, and just kind of day hunt just for logistic, whatever. And I don't know. My old man's not too big on camping, honestly, anyway, I think anymore, but <laughs> But yeah, I'm really looking forward to just the family time and just the adventure and just hanging out, man. You know, even if we, even if we didn't fill tags, it'd still be an awesome trip, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the year that I took my boy up there, I think he was uh, 13 at the time. Um, we just stayed in Casper and we stayed at a motel six, you know, oh, nice. we, uh, we slept in in the morning. Um, you know, they're like a lot of animals that were active in the morning, but you can hunt all day if you want, you know? Okay. It wasn't like this high pressure to get out there first thing in the morning. So, I mean, there were mornings that we slept in, you know, we, we ate McDonald's drive through on the way back. We, <laughs> yeah. uh, we got home in the evening in time to watch playoff baseball. Nice um, man. We, we took some board games and we played, you know, board games in the evening and stuff and just kind of hung out. But yeah, I, I love, I love that. I mean, I love, I love the fact, I mean, for me anyway, um, you know, my entire fall gets stacked up with a lot of hunts that are, you know, more adventure style hunts. I mean, you know, Alaska moose or Alaska caribou or, you know, elk hunting where it's a 10 day backpack hunt. Um, you know, those, those antelope hunts where you can kind of just hang out with your friends and family and, you know, enjoy some quality time with yeah, them. Man. It's awesome. Just some low pressure, good old fun hunting. Yep. That's awesome. Sure. So yeah. Um, that was you kind of just mentioned it, but that was something that I um, wanted to ask you about was kind of, you know, antelope behavior. So, um, you know, do you find they're more crepuscular like deer where you got to like bust out there at sunrise and then it's kind of boring in the middle of the day? Or are you like, I think you said you're kind of able to hunt them all day. What's, what's that kind of like? 
Yeah, I would say that they're more, I mean, they're they're like a deer and elk where they're going to be more active in the uh, the morning and the evening. They're going to be up moving and feeding. Um, you know, they're, they rut primarily like late August through September is kind of that, that main time frame is you, you see those bucks that are, are herded up with does and, and really see kind of some of that rut activity. But you'll see bucks with groups of does, I mean, all, all year, I mean, August through October. Um, you know, I think we hunted... Uh, late August last year and we were archery hunting and we were still seeing bucks, you know, with, with groups of bucks together, still kind mm. of colonated up little bachelor herds and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that they are up on their feet more in the morning and the evening. But the thing about antelope is that, um, you know, they're not searching out, uh, like heavy timber to bed during the day. Right. Right. So it, it's not like you still can't glass them up midday. So if you want to sleep in and take, you know, a morning or two off and kind of get some sleep and then you roll out later in the morning, you probably still see some antelope on their feet, but you do have the opportunity to still cruise the ridges and kind of look and just glass the antelope up and you'll see them bedded. Um, cool. So it's, yeah, I mean, they're, they're most active in morning and evening, but you'll, you'll be able to hunt and glass them all day. Yeah. And so what, how does, how have you found that weather kind of affects their, their movement? Um, you know, like if, if you get a lot of snow, like if you start hunting in October, that hunt that I did with my kid was in October and, and there was a bunch of snow and it did feel like they were kind of pushing off into, uh, you know, patches of vegetation that was a little bit taller. We've had probably eight, 10 inches at times in different areas. So they're looking for like the tops of the vegetation that's kind of sticking up out of the snow. And there was some movement in that regard. Um, but primarily, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll move a little bit to weather. Um, they'll bed longer, just like an elk or a deer would, you know. Um, but there's, there's not a ton of movement. I mean, not, not a lot of difference, I would say, in, in weather. It's, it's, it's not really until you get later in the season, like in, you know, past postseason, especially in Wyoming, where you mm -hmm. get those winds that push snow across the landscape and it really starts to build up, um, that you see those antelope move off into some of that lower country. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like a deer and elk where you're going to see major differences in weather and, and movement. Okay. Um, and you kind of, you touched on it a little bit, but, um, what like so i know you said they rut kind of august september so our hunt is going to be actually i think like the third week in october so you know what should we be kind of expecting in terms of behavior or what to look for in terms of you know that kind of stuff that time of year yeah you'll probably see um you know groups of, of does and fawns and you may see some bucks you know intermixed with those maybe a few younger bucks you'll probably start to see some of the bigger more mature bucks moved off either you know and bachelors are off by themselves um you know the, the the buck that my kid shot was right in a group of does but then uh the buck i shot uh was kind of off on it on his own and we were seeing a few more bucks uh especially some of the bigger bucks i think uh kind of off on their own you know solitary ones twos um you know maybe small groups of three so uh it, it won't vary a, a ton um but you will, you'll, you'll see maybe some of those older bucks kind of off by themselves or in smaller bachelor groups kind of moved off. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so, all right. So we got that kind of stuff. Now let's fast forward to like, um, flying. So we, we're going to fly. So our season opens on a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I planned it. So we're going to fly in on like a Sunday and start hunting the Monday after to kind of hopefully get out of some of the pressure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's Monday. We're heading out to the unit first time boots on the ground, just from like a high level, you know, where, what do you, what do you do in that first day? How are you starting off? Yeah, I'd say I'd, I definitely agree with like your timing. So I would, I would try to hunt middle of the week, you know, if you can, um, especially those units that are relatively easy to draw, they're going to get more pressure on the weekends for sure. So Saturdays and Sundays, you're definitely going to have more people in the field. So I like hunting, you know, midweek, Monday to, to Thursday, Friday. Um, they'll, you'll, you'll probably still see some folks, but you'll definitely have less pressure midweek. So I like that method. Um, yeah, I think the first thing I would do, I mean, if you've kind of identified the unit prior to getting there and you know where the public land is and you kind of know the access roads, um, I would encourage you you know, have all those layers downloaded uh, on your on your map, whether you're using a GPS or if you're using like our, our app on your phone. Um, 
you know, have those areas identified, the access points. And I think the first thing that I typically do is just start driving where I can. So, you know, your unit, yeah. for example, you've got some highways and some roads that run the edges of those. Uh, I would run those highways and just start pulling over and glassing. Glassing is going to be your best friend. I mean, yeah. it's it really is the key to hunting antelope. Um, probably a lot of guys that are coming from the east or the Midwest, um, they may not have like a full glassing setup, like a tripod, you know, tripod adapter, tripod head, mm-hmm. um, you know, spotting scope. Uh, I would say if you if you've got those things in your kit, you're going to be that much more effective. Uh, anytime that you can get comfortable, you know, find a seat that you're, you're going to be able to sit for a while, an hour, and just like scan the landscape with your binoculars, you'll see a whole lot more uh, that way than you will just flat walking and yeah. bumping animals. Um, so that's typically the first thing I do is I just drive the roads and I spend a lot of time with a pair of binoculars on a tripod and I do a lot of glassing. Yeah. You know, water that time of year is probably not going to be as important. Depends on the weather you get. Um, so if, if it's still warm and it can be in October, they'll still be hitting water, especially if there's no snow. But once you start getting some cold weather and some snows, it seems like it's less important for sure. Yeah. Those water sources. Um, so, you know, primarily water sources become really important when you're archery hunting antelope. So that early season, August, September, I mean, they're going to be within a mile, two miles of those water sources. That's not necessarily the case as you get into like October and late seasons. So I would say, yeah, identify, you know, the roads and, and really let your glass do the work. Yeah. And what, um, what, what binoculars like, um, would you, do you use when you're out there glassing for antelope? Like Mm -hmm. not necessarily brand, but like, magnification power and stuff i mean if you can if you can afford to have multiple pairs of binoculars a set of 15s is great mm. like a, a pair of 15 swarovski slcs on a tripod is phenomenal for antelope hunting yeah. <laughs> you can really start to pick apart the landscape with the set of 15s uh i'm i mean I've, I've had a pair in the past i don't think it's necessary i think in my opinion a 10 by 42 is a staple for, yeah. for any game hunter you know those around your neck and then just throw those same binoculars up on a tripod and i use i have a pair of like noctavids um which is an it's an expensive it's a top end set of glass for sure um you know i i i've been a huge proponent if you've ever listened to anything i've ever done you know youtube or any other podcast <laughs> i tell people all the time you know spend your money on optics mm. for western for western big game hunting um you know will 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 it make a difference unequivocally it will you'll you'll see you'll see things that you wouldn't otherwise um nice you know get get the best glass that you can afford and uh i I promise it will make a difference and then you know good glass lasts forever i've got i've got a pair of like you know i bought i think i've told this story before but i uh i convinced my wife when i was in college to use our entire tax return one year to buy a pair of binoculars. (laughs) How did you do that, man? (laughs) That's some good, uh, that's some good work. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, buy good glass. So I I think a good pair of 10 by 42s, if you want to get into Western big game hunting is a, is a staple and buy the best glass that you can. And, and like I said, a a tripod with a tripod adapter will make a tremendous amount of difference. Totally. Yeah. Especially when you get those higher magnification. So I, I have a pair of like eights that I use here, like East coast, or like whitetail stuff. But, um, I went ahead and got a pair of twelves for, for, you know, out West. And then I have a decent spotting scope too. It's humongous. So it's not like a light, you know, backcountry one, but for this, it's going to be perfect. Right. Um, are you a, are you a grid kind of glassing guy or how do you, what's your basic glassing strategy? Um, depends on the, the topography, um, you know, for antelope hunting, I'm probably a horizontal glasser, you know, mm. cause you have these big, long, wide open landscapes out ahead of you where you can see it really long ways. So I'll typically set the, uh, the, the tilt, you know, and I'll just use the pan and I'll pan a landscape and then I'll drop the tilt and go back and forth, back and forth. Um, when I'm hunting deer and elk, I find that, uh, if I'm looking at a landscape, I'm often like a vertical glasser. So I'm going up, you know, I'm moving over, I'm coming down, mm. up, over, back and down. Um, but for landscape antelope hunting, I'm, you know, horizontal back and forth. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool, man. Um, the other, the other thing I'll say just real quick about yeah. antelope, 
Yeah. Um, when it comes to, to glassing, and this is kind of just a tip, when I worked for the Game and Fish, we would do antelope surveys. You know, you go out and fly in like a, a little two or a four-seater cub plane. Yeah. And you'd fly in glass for antelope. And we had a certain number of hours in the morning where we could, you know, you, you go out and you made, you wanted to make sure that you hit that window because the, just the color of their hide really mm. pops in the sunlight. So as we were flying, you know, early morning, like that, uh, maybe eight to, you know, 10 o'clock, 1030 range, the sunlight just pops on those animals and they just, I mean, you really nice. are able to see them well. Um, so same, same thing with glassing for antelope. So, I mean, that eight to like 10 o'clock window, the sunlight just tends to catch their hide and they really pop. Nice. That's a good tip. Does that work kind of in the afternoon as well? Turn like golden hour time. Same thing in the afternoon. Yep. That like, you know, two hours before sunset is uh, kind of the same thing that light just catches their hide and they really shine. That's awesome. And good tip. Um, you mentioned just going back a little bit, you mentioned, um, like layers on your go hunt maps app are you talking about like um the blm and state land layers that you're mentioning yeah blm state you know roads and trails so county roads trails those kinds of things okay so Um, there's a roads layer on there too roads and trails yeah roads and trails you want to check those out for sure um one thing about wyoming you want to you want to double check before you go you know just because there's a road there doesn't mean that it it may be accessible you know it's got to be road before you can use it because if it's a private road you 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 can't use it um the other thing specific to wyoming that you want to check um if you look at a lot of those units they're they're checkerboarded you know so you've got blm or state land that's checkerboarded where you've got these private sections that are in holdings between and um you know corner hopping is is kind of a controversy i've heard both i've heard both ways on this one yeah yeah, so so kind of the, late, the latest is is you know game and fish won't ticket you for it, but um, you know like a, a state highway patrolman or state police they can ticket you for for corner hopping. So oh. it's it's a gray area. There's not like a I, I personally wouldn't do it. Okay, is it culturally out there kind of a taboo? Like would you annoy some locals kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, some of those ranchers I don't think would look kindly on it. And like I said, you know, Game and Fish has kind of turned a blind eye to it a little bit. Um, but but state law is is that uh, you can't and you could be ticketed. Okay. Okay, that's that's good to know, man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't plan on corner hopping. I personally wouldn't do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, you don't want to you want to be respectful and not annoy people while you're out there. You know. Yeah, and you know you you really don't have to. I mean. In my experience, there's there's enough land, especially like if you're willing to do the research and do some hiking, that yeah. you can find some some success without having to like you know get into those gray areas. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Um, so uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about too was just like so I man I don't even know if I've ever even seen an antelope like in the wild. So um, and again, I'm not out here looking to kill a trophy with like a decent you know representation and mature animal. Um, how do you just in a nutshell, what's your tips for judging, uh, antelope bucks? Um, it's, it's like a lot of things, uh, a a big one you'll know, like right away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've I've got a couple bucks. I'll I'll just show you. Let's see. Yeah. So this is a, this is a Utah buck that I killed with my bow in maybe 2013 or something, I think, but you can see like this buck. This buck is like number six, I think, in the state of Utah for for an art for Dang, an archery. Nice. It's, it's a big buck. Pull like, it back a little bit so I can see the whole skull. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. There you go. Okay. He's over nice. eighty. Um, you get a lot of score from mass and antelope, so you're gonna have four mass measurements as you go up. And what you're gonna do is is they take the total length, so from the lowest point here on the sheath uh, to the tip here of the hook. And you divide that by four and, you know, you would mark it out. And then that's where you're going to get your mass measurements on that. Um, when you're looking at a buck, like if their mass, you know, if they look wide here, like as wide as their eye, mm-hmm. it's a pretty massive buck. Nice. Um, you know, tall, you can kind of look and see, you know, how tall you think they are. Like a, a real tall antelope is going to be, you know, 16 inches. Anything over 16 is super tall. Um and then, you know, cutters. So your cutters here, this one's got big cutters, they call it. So they measure the distance from like the back of the horn here all around to the front here of the, of the cutter. 
Um, you know, obviously you get a bunch of score if those are long, right? Mm -hmm. So mass cutters and height is kind of what you're looking for. Um, and the good thing about hunting Wyoming is you'll have a chance to look at a lot of bucks. Um, you know, you, you can, it's like hunting whitetail or anything. Like you can tell a young buck from an old buck. Yeah. Um, I would say probably one of the first things that I start to look at is, is, uh, mass, mass and cutters. Okay. So yeah. you want to look for one that's close to as wide as his eyeball, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And mass. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is that buck that I shot with, you know, just last year that we did that film, but you can see how, oh, okay. how heavy he is through the bases. And then yeah. I mean, an older buck, they're just like a, an old, you know, white tail or an old bull elk, you know, they'll start to get like these bumps. Yeah. Some trash. Yeah. Some of this junk that kind of grows. <laughs> off. That's off a cool, off. that's a cool buck. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool buck. Yeah. You can see he's got like a little extra right here. Yeah. And look how yeah. wide those cutters are. They're like triangles. Yeah. Yeah. Super wide through here, huh? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, he holds, you know, holds his mass all the way up. You can kind of see. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are just like some tips, but you'll, you'll know, I mean, as you start to look at those bucks, um, you know, body size, that older buck, that three, four year old buck, he'll just look bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, back to kind of land questions. So, um, in my unit, there's a couple walk-in areas. One's like 5,000 acres. Um, what's the deal with those? Are those, and there's a wildlife management area. Are those kind of areas that you should be keying in on as far as getting away from some pressure or are they going to be more pressured? Um, I think it depends on the area. I know of areas in Wyoming, not the unit that you're hunting, but I know uh, some areas that see a lot of pressure in those units. I think it's relative to the amount of public land that's accessible in that unit. Mm. But if there's not a lot of other accessible land in it, yeah, I think you're going to see more pressure in those for sure. Um, I think it's worth looking. Those are definitely a great avenue for checking out. You know, um, they have a really cool program up, up there in Wyoming, both walk-in access and hunter management areas. Um, they do a really good job on their website of giving you the rules and regulations for mm -hmm. those areas. Um, some of them you have to register for, you know, some have stipulations on what you can hunt and when. Uh, but all that information is available on Game and Fish's website, like on their hunt planner map. Um, if you click on the map, they have a little red dot for it. You yeah. can click on it dot and it'll give, give you the information. Um, I think Wyoming does an excellent job at that. So I would definitely check those out. Okay. Yeah. As I was, like I said, I like, I don't mind the prospect. In fact, I kind of like the idea of walking a little bit. Um, so I was thinking maybe in some of those walking areas, you might cut down on some of the folks that just kind of want to stick, stick to the truck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Any other, any other tips just for like kind of getting away from the crowds a little bit? Um, you know, midday, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not opposed to getting up early and hunting early, I think that's a good thing. Cause I think a lot of people do, you know, sleep in, they okay. kind of over, you know, they, they don't put a lot of, uh, you know, planning or prep, maybe into antelope hunting, they sleep in, go out late. So I would say get out early, you know, be willing to hike, um, you know, put, put your glass to work. Um, yeah, those are kind of, those are kind of it. And then, and then hunt, you know, hunt, hunt weekdays. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Um, so just like I said, it's kind of a theme of the podcast. So I figure I might, might as well ask you, have you ever done uh, kind of shifting gears here, but you ever done much, much thought about um, kind of your, your spiritual connection to hunting and how that plays into your, your kind of total well being as a person? Oh yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm like a, a, a very religious person per se, but um, as far as like sp spiritual, um, I think my involvement in hunting and like the thing that I truly love about hunting is the uh, the connection to the landscape and yeah. the way that I feel when I'm out there. Um, that the, there's definitely a feeling that only exists for me in those types of experiences. Mm. Uh, it the actual hunting itself, you know, the, you know, the animal, the landscape, um, 
it's hard to explain even, it's hard to put into words, but there's something about that that uh, is definitely higher than than either one of those is singularly, totally. if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a connection. Um, you know, I can think of a, a hunt that I did uh, in New Mexico for elk. I, it was a solo hunt. It was a backpack hunt. I hunted, uh, backpack hunted for 10 days, you know, by myself. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I killed a good bull on like day number nine. But I remember, I remember the first two or three days into that hunt, um, just feeling so, you know, tied still to like this modern world, yeah. you know, my computer, my phone, um, take some time know, to detach. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Day three. Like I remember very vividly this like feeling this overwhelming feeling of like just being, you know, connected to the landscape and just being solely focused on, you know, one surviving one, you know, two pursuing these animals. And then, um, the really interesting for for me is is the uh, the appreciation, the gratitude that I start to feel mm. uh, for the individual experiences. Like you know, you look at a, a, a patch of wildflowers, or you stop at a creek to you know to filter some water, and you know the taste and and the uh, you know the cold water. Um, you know, hearing a bull elk bugle, seeing a bull elk bugle, like watching the mist come up in the morning, like after a hard rain that night and mm. just kind of see the whole landscape come alive as the sun starts to rise and like starting to seeing the mist, you know, come up and just like seeing the light catch vegetation or, you know, you know, catch the glimmer of an elk antler, like those little tiny experiences become so much more than they would, you know, normally. Totally. Like it's, yeah, it's, um, it really is for me. It's, it's like, it went from something like I enjoyed as a youth to like now something that like I look forward to every year. Like I base my whole schedule, my life, my lifestyle, you know, everything that I do in my off time, my downtime is like kind of in preparation for those types of experiences. Cause they mean so much to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're just tapping into something that I can't think of any other activity or experience in life that allows you to tap into something so like ancient and primal and just like just speaks so deeply to us as men you know or as women too but you know you know what i mean yeah yeah it's uh it, i know that for me like it's it's an experience that i only get from that you know it's 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 unique and that i feel that every year um you know, some of the, the best friendships, some of the, the best experiences, the bonds that I've felt is, um, you know, finding success with another hunter, like out there hunting, grinding it out. You know, I, I hunt quite a bit with Chris Neville here that works in our office and, you know, he and I have done some elk hunts together. Um, I think he'd hunted for four or five years and never killed an elk. And then the first year, you know, he and I went to Wyoming and, you know, he, he shot this bull right before dark. Um, we ended up, it was a pretty tough blood tracking job, but then, you know, we were able to find, find the elk and just, you know, the reaction, like I, it was really great for me to like step back and go back and like, see what that meant to him. Yeah. And, and then the bond and like the friendship that I feel with him, you know, through what we went through. Um, you know, I, I turned around and went on a moose hunt right after that with a guy I'd never, I'd, I'd had conversations with, but I'd never really spent any time with him. He's from Alaska. We did a moose hunt for 10 days and, you know, we both killed two bulls, you know, I, and he and I would kind of keep in touch loosely, but like, there's a bond that was created in those 10 days that will last like my entire lifetime. Yeah. Like just those experiences that I could not get anywhere else. Yeah, man. That's, that's so cool. It's just, uh, there's nothing else like it. And I just feel like it, it's something that um, I feel like speaks to kind of the warrior archetype that many men have, not all men, but some men have. And, um, you know, the warrior hunter thing kind of goes hand in hand. And um, so, yeah, anyway, it's, there's nothing like it. But um, any other like things that jump out that you I didn't kind of hit with antelope hunting that you wanted to just wrap up with or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I one thing is we were talking about. Um, it's just kind of, we went back to behavior, kind of talking about antelope behavior and like how to, you know, like stock, stocking antelope. Yeah. Um, I, where your hunt is an October hunt, uh, they're going to have been, you know, they'll, they'll be able to hunt it, right? There's a mm -hmm. chance they'll be able to hunt it. You know, you, 
if you fly in like midweek and you hunt, you may be sitting on the back side of uh, opening day, right? So it may have been open for a few days. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't really talk about, but I think it's worth noting is that like in terms of senses, antelope, their eyesight's everything. So they can see, I mean, I, I think of, uh, if I go back to like my, my biology classes from college, their eyesight is like the equivalent of like an eight power binocular. Wow. So they can see forever and they pick up movement extremely well. Um, you know, also like they'll wind you, you know, they use their nose a little bit. Um, hearing is probably not like their big thing because they're out there on that open landscape all the time. Right. Use the wind and that kind of thing. So you definitely want to keep in mind though, their eyesight and like, they'll pick you off from it long ways away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to, I think that's worth noting when you're, when you're planning your stocks, you know, use, use that, uh, topography to your advantage, you know, yeah. use those, those goal, those gullies and washes, those kinds of things. to like cut the distance. And then, you know, there's a, a really good likelihood that you may be end up, uh, you might end up doing a lot of belly crawling or crawling on your hands and knees. So I yeah. would say, uh, a good pair of knee pads is a good investment for, for an antelope hunter, especially in archery. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, well, dude, that brings to mind a question though, because there's a part in the film I just watched with you where you're mm -hmm. doing a stalk and it looks like you're like 30 yards from this buck and you're like coming to draw and you're like letting down and you're coming to draw and he's just standing there looking at you. What was up with that? <laughs> Um, we were, we were driving along and I glassed that buck up and I thought, you know, I'm just going to see what, what happens, you know? So threw the bow up in front of my face and kind of used the top cam to cover my face. I mean, they're like any animal, you know, if they pick up a face and eyes, you know, they perceive that as a threat, right? Okay. So I just cam to like cover my face. Um, another thing about antelope, this is kind of an interesting tidbit is, uh, if you walk directly at an antelope, a lot of the times they'll pick you off and they'll run. But if you want to, you can cut the distance a lot to them by walking diagonals. Mm. So if you cut the distance slowly over walking diagonals back and forth, um, you can often get, you know, within range and cut a bunch of distance. Um, I know my brother, my brother lives in Wyoming. He killed a buck a few years ago uh, with his bow by doing that over about a two hour period. And he cut <laughs> it from like 300 yards to 55 yards. Wow. Just by walking diagonals very slowly at this animal. Yeah. So that's a tidbit. But um, yeah, that buck, he, he just kind of hung out. You know, we had that doe. I think he was a, a little preoccupied. Okay. I got in tight on that buck. I think the closest that buck was is like 43 or 48 yards or something like that. Okay. And I, I drew on him a couple times and, you know, I had the opportunity. I could have shot him, but I just, you know, wasn't, wasn't the buck for me. Yeah. But. And he kept turning like quartering at you too. I noticed, um, that's, that's funny. You mentioned that about diagonals, man. I'd noticed that like, so I used to, you know, like stalk rabbits in my backyard with my little bow, you know, as a kid, I noticed the same thing. If you avoid eye contact and walk diagonal, they will just stand there and like, look at you. You can get super close. Yep. It's interesting. It's like the, like they're sensing the predatory behavior. If you're going straight at them and like staring at them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And antelope are curious, you know, they'll, they'll hang out, you know, a lot of the times they'll, they'll run, they'll run out a hundred yards and they'll stop and then they'll turn around and like come back, like try yeah. to see what's going on. And then, you know, before they finally decide they're going to clear country, but yeah, they're a really curious animal. So, you know, if you're slow and you're deliberate, your movements, and then, like I said, a diagonal, you know, movement towards them can, can be pretty effective. Do you ever use uh, like decoys when you're stalking or anything like that? Yeah, I, I've used decoys. Um, I can't say that I've used them super successfully. Um, I've, I've had some bucks that'll come in uh, and just kind of expect it. Like it, they often won't close that distance within like 150 to 200 yards. I've never had that experience. Like where a buck just like full on runs full tilt at me with a decoy, you know, at a yeah. 40 yard. I kind of meant more like, have you ever used one like as a stalking tool, kind of like hiding behind it and walking up with it? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. I don't think any of the footage made it in that film, but, um, you know, Jill and I use that quite a bit and we were able okay. to cut the, like I said, you know, we, we can get to you know 150 yards, but a lot of the times they'll, they're curious enough that they'll kind of keep their distance. They won't just like full out run away. Um, but they'll kind of maintain that, diff that distance, but yeah, decoying can be, can be effective. Okay. Um, this is just a random question that came to my mind, but like, out there in that country is uh, the landscape. Is it pretty easy typically to get a prone rifle shot or is it like difficult to get in that position? 
with vegetation yeah, and whatnot? Say, yeah, I would say it's pretty easy to get a prone position. Okay. Um, That's good. You know, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a bipod, like a, a 7 to 13-inch bipod, you know, one that if you had to use it as sitting, you could, like, or on a pack. Or, you know, most of your shots, though, you can get in a prone position. Cool. Um, one, one tip I would tell you is uh, <laughs> I shot a buck one time in Wyoming from a prone position, and I was shooting slightly uphill. And I was kind of laying in this little gully, and, you know, the angle of the gun to my face it left a pretty good – pretty good scar right there <laughs> oh nice you got bit huh yeah from from shooting up tail <laughs> okay from a yeah. prone i'll be careful on that one yeah. um all right let me see if there's anything else i wanted to ask you about um oh yeah just real quick you got what's your what are your hunting plans for uh 2021 you got any cool hunts coming up yeah i uh i've got a lot of tags this year um so I, I start out, like I said, I think earlier I mentioned, I've got an archery antelope tag in Arizona, which cool. I'm, I'm excited about. That starts the 13th of August. Uh, and then the last 10 days of August, uh, Chris Neville and I here in the office are doing a caribou hunt. So flying caribou hunt in Alaska. Oh, nice. When yeah, are you flying gonna, up? I'm going to be going up to Alaska on the 19th, I think. That's it. 18th or 19th. <laughs> yeah. Dang, that'd be wild if we were on the same flight. Yeah. Where are you flying into? uh anch or no yeah anchorage anchorage okay yeah yeah we'll, we'll fly to anchorage and then anchorage at the cots of you so sweet we'll, okay so yeah. i did a walk-in caribou hunt last year out of fairbanks this year we want to kodiak for blacktail oh right on I've, I've done that hunt twice that's a fun hunt i've heard yeah so yeah, that'd be cool I'll, I'll keep an eye out in the airport and see if, if you have a yeah <laughs> i mean there's not not a ton of flights we probably will bump into each other that'd be that'd cool be, man yeah. um, it's bumped into people quite a few times flying in and out of anchorage or kodiak you yeah know? yeah i had did a podcast a few weeks ago or months ago with brad brooks from argali and he's going to be yeah. flying to kodiak he they're going into the into kodiak into the backcountry the same day we are so we're going to link up there for dinner on the 22nd or something yeah but, kodiak's uh, a cool little town too yeah so anyway what's what, what are you doing after alaska anything else yeah, so Car Caribou, and then uh, I've got an Idaho archery elk tag in September. So I've got 10 days, like the 15th to the 25th of September, I'll be hunting elk in Idaho. Nice. And then uh, I've got uh, Montana big game combo. So I've got the elk and the deer tag. So I think I'm going to go up the first uh, 10 days of October and archery hunt uh, elk up there. Okay. And then. Uh, my kid and I, so my 16 year old now, he and I have second season rifle deer tags in Colorado. Nice. So we're going to, we're going to go do that hunt and, and take him. And then I'll probably just round it out with, uh, that late season, that November, late November, um, Montana deer tag. So awesome, it'll be man. a full year. Yeah. It sounds like a great a season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's that time of year where, you know, I'm not shooting my bow every single night and, and trying to get every, all my ducks in a row, but it, uh, you know, it's like finally starting to feel real. So yeah. Are I'm you doing excited. archery for your caribou or rifle? Yeah, archery. Nice. Yeah, man. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna bow hunt. The only uh, the only rifle tags they've got are like I said, those late season uh, Colorado deer and then Montana uh, cool. deer. Yeah, I like to bow hunt. Yeah. So we're gonna have to have you back. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe in the spring or something. And hear about your epic season. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Please do. Yeah. I'd cool, love to. Man. Um, all right, so we got two quick, like, silly, like, funny questions. Well, one of them is kind of funny. Um, and then I'll let you go. Um, all right, so if you can only hunt antelope, for, you can only bow hunt antelope for the rest of your life or hunt everything else with a rifle, which one are you doing? <laughs> I think I'd bow hunt antelope. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, for for one, I just genuinely really like archery hunting. I like everything about, I, I love everything about bows and arrows. I, I love the, the the tinkering. I love the gadgetry. Um, you know, every single night or every morning de depends on what my schedule looks like. I'm 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 at the range, like shooting my bow. It's like my hour to hour and a half to like really just disconnect and just like think about things that matter to me, you yeah. know, problem solve. Um, you know, I, I genuinely just really love shooting my bow. So I would say, yeah, archery antelope and I love antelope. Cool. Cool, man. Um, last one. So 
would you rather wear the same pair of underwear for a week or the same pair of socks for a month? <laughs> you know, either or, it doesn't matter to me. I've done both. <laughs> I know. That was the question of the day at my like gym today. And I was like, oh, underwear, definitely. <laughs> and everyone else was like, ew. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so that same hunt that I talked about earlier, that New Mexico elk hunt, same same pair of underwear, same socks for twelve days. So nice. no, no, no big deal. It doesn't phase me. I will I have been uh, you know, guilty like mid hunt of uh, finding like a good spot, good solitary creek, you know, where I just strip down and wash all my clothes out, let yeah. it dry. So yeah, man. I've done that, but neither one of them doesn't doesn't phase me. <laughs> Uh, cool. So I think we're kindred spirits there because I'm kind of a dirt bag. I can go days without showering. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. Well, this has been really cool getting to know you a little bit. And thank you for, um, you know, all your knowledge and your help, help getting me on a, a successful draw. And um, and so help with the antelope thing. And definitely have to I'll look for you in the airport, heading to Alaska and have to reconnect after the season and hear about your uh, all the tags you filled. Yeah, let's do. And I would love to hear how your antelope hunt goes too. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll uh, hopefully I'll send you, I'll be able to send you a couple gripping grins here in a few months. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of my favorite thing about this job is like getting to talk to so many different people, you know, and like helping them drop from it. And then, you know, you know, not everybody does it, but there's definitely enough people every year that like reach back out and send me photos or send me emails. Yeah. You know? I mean, I just. I genuinely get a lot of satisfaction out of like seeing people, you know, find success. And if yeah. I had like a little tiny bit of, in that, and, like helping them like find a hunt or find a permit, like ton of, ton of satisfaction. So I'd appreciate. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's really cool, man. I really uh, appreciate, I, I said it already, but I really do appreciate that. I respect you a lot because, um, you know, a lot of people are secretive or, you know, really tight with their time. But, um, for you guys listening, like trail, like I said, you didn't know me from Adam you know, took a phone call, like spent like 30 minutes at least on the phone with me, probably helping me figure out which units and stuff like that. And, um, so really appreciate it, man. Trails a really good guy. So where can people find you if they want to check out some of your stuff and content? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm on Instagram just at trail K 11. I'm not, uh, I'm not super active. I, <laughs> I, uh, I could be way better at that, but it's just, it's weird. Like I consume social media and I look at a lot of Instagram and I like to follow along with other people. I'm just not great at it myself, like keeping up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You can, you can find me on, on Instagram and then probably the, the most recent stuff we just, just put out with go hunt. So go hunt YouTube page. Cool. You know, if you want help your list, I think they just put that up uh, yesterday. You can look at kind of my list for, for 2021 for elk hunting. Um, you know, any kind of new gear equipment that I'm looking at bringing on the gear shop, I typically do overviews on YouTube and then, uh, nice. yeah, yeah. Just, just Instagram and then, you know, go on YouTube page, probably the best place to keep in touch with me. Cool. Well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. I hope we catch up again. Yeah. Me too, man. Thanks again for listening to the hunter's quest podcast. And make sure you stay up to date on social media at The Hunter's Quest on Instagram and The Hunter's Quest Podcast on Facebook. And we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, Whatever, just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff in the works. And I'm really excited to continue this quest together. Quest together.